0: Welcome to today's Genetic Improvement webinar series. Uh, This is number two of our webinar series. On Tuesday, we covered some of the basics of genetic improvement and also talked about scrapie resistance as well. Today, we're gonna be talking more fully about the power of information, tools for record keeping and genetic selection. So we have two presenters today, Erin Messinger will be talking about accelerating goat genetic improvement with genomic selection. She's our acting small ruminant specialist with Omaha. And she's also a PhD candidate at the University of Well. Uh, so Erin, I'll let you take it away. Thanks, Marlene. It's good to see the results of the polls there. I'm excited today to talk about uh, genomic selection and how we can use that to actually increase our genetic progress for uh, Canadian goats. Um, So as Marlene mentioned, I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Guelph in the Center for Genetic Improvement of Livestock, in addition to my position currently as acting small ruminant specialist. Um, So today I'll be talking about the research piece of what I've been working on for my PhD. All right, so we're going to start with a little bit about genomics. So it was great to see that many people had some knowledge about the use of genomics in other countries or species. We're going to go through a little bit of background here just to make sure everyone's on the same page. When we start talking about genomics, there's a lot of jargon that comes with it, um, and it can be really confusing to understand, which leaves a lot of people looking a bit like this. So we're actually going to go through an example or a little analogy in order to kind of make sense of some of these terms. So I like to think of genomics uh, as basically the equivalent of like a book. So we have our book here on the screen and we have our whole book that contains different chapters and sentences and makes up an entire story. Um, And equivalently the animal's genome is all of their genetic material or DNA. Of course, within our story, we have different divisions of chapters that break the story into different pieces. And similarly in the genome, we have what's called a chromosome, which is a partition of DNA. In mammals, uh, chromosomes come in pairs uh, and goats actually have 29 normal chromosomes as well as a pair of sex chromosomes. And then within our chapters, we have our sentences and the sentences are what make up our story. So they have a, an actual impact on the overall plot of our story. Similarly, a gene is a region of the DNA that has a functional impact on the animal. So there can be different forms of the genes and these are called alleles. We have nucleotides that are those individual units and uh, words within our story. And then our typos here are called SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms, which is a mutation that changes a single nucleotide in the DNA. So those different SNPs cause different forms of the genes or alleles, um, and that's what makes up differences in the animal's performance and phenotype. That brings us to what is genomic selection, which is the use of information on an animal's DNA in order to select breeding candidates. So we'll go through quickly how that works. We'd start with an animal, and then we'd take some form of a tissue sample. There's many different types of samples you can take. We'd send that tissue sample to a lab where they'd extract the DNA from the tissue. And that DNA is made up of those nucleotide bases. There's four of them. Uh, And using a technology called a SNP chip, we're able to read the DNA at different places across the animal's genome. Depending on the type of chip and the species, you can read everywhere from a couple thousand sites to hundreds of thousands. But the most common uh, SNP chip available for goats has about 53,000 SNPs, which means that SNP chip is reading the animal's genome at 53,000 places all the way across the DNA. And that produces a genotype, which is a long strain of letters or numbers um, that gives kind of a blueprint of the animal's overall genetics. With some analysis, we can use that genotype in order, along with uh, phenotypic information we have in order to predict an animal's genetic merit and use that to make selection decisions. And then of course, the cycle starts over again. We have our breeding candidates. We can take more DNA samples, et cetera. Now let's talk a little bit about the difference between genetic testing and genomic selection, because this can sometimes be a point of confusion. So genetic testing is used to identify alleles that can reliably predict phenotypes for usually pretty simple traits that are controlled by one or a few genes. So for example, Amanda talked about on Tuesday scrapey, which is controlled by the PRP gene. And there's also the alpha S1 casein gene in dairy goats that you may have heard of again, these are specific genes that have a major effect on the animal's overall phenotype. So if we put this visually, if we pretend that this uh, squiggly line here is our DNA, we'd have that single gene, and then there'd be some type of polymorphism or difference that would determine whether an animal has a favorable or unfavorable uh, phenotype for the trait we're interested in. With genomic selection, on the other hand, we're predicting genetic merit for the animal based on thousands of markers across the genome. It's more useful for complex traits that are controlled by many genes that all have a small effect on the overall phenotype of the animal. And this happens to be many of our economically important traits, including reproduction, disease resistance, and production traits. So again, to put this visually, we would have many genes scattered all across the genome that might have an influence on the trait, and we would, genotype um, for a bunch of markers all across the genome. Some are within the genes, some are outside of the genes, but because of their proximity uh, along the DNA, we're able to use that in order to more reliably predict the animal's genetic merit than uh, if we use just pedigree records alone. So the first step when we wanna look at genomic selection for a population is that we need to build what's called a reference population. Which is a group of animals with both phenotypes for the traits we're interested in as well as tissue samples that have been genotyped. So we build this reference population and then we use that to estimate the impact of the different SNPs on the traits we're interested in using some analysis. Once we've done that and built that reference population, we can then Uh, predict the genetic merit for young animals that don't have their own phenotypic information. So we just simply take a tissue sample, again, do some analysis, and then uh, we can get a reliable prediction of that animal's genetic merit in order to make selection decisions. So with uh, genomic selection, we can actually make those selection decisions at an earlier age because we don't have to wait in order for them to have phenotypic information in order to make reliable selection decisions. So this formula here uh, is going through how, um, what factors influence the rate of genetic improvement. So I talked a little bit about this on Tuesday. So four of those factors are the accuracy of selection, the intensity of selection, the genetic variation or standard deviation in the population, and the generation interval. So how do those Uh, factors impact uh, use of genomic selection. First, the main one is that genomic selection increases the accuracy for young breeding candidates, which will accelerate genetic gain. Second, uh, it enables testing of more animals for expensive to measure traits, which increases selection intensity. For example, um, carcass traits can't be measured on a lot of animals at the commercial level because it's quite expensive and it's destructive. So we can't get phenotypic information for our breeding candidates. But if we have a small group that we've created a reference population for that trait, we can then use that reference population in order to predict um, genetic merit for all animals. So that increases the selection intensity. Generation intervals are another factor that are impacted by genomic selection. As I said, you can uh, select animals at an earlier age, which increases the rate of genetic gain using genomic selection. And finally, genetic variation. Of course, we need that variability in order to make selection decisions. It's expected in the short term that genomic selection will have limited impact on this. But if we have very intense selection, we could, in the future, reduce variability. So it's just something we need to be aware of. Perhaps the best example of the implementation of genomic selection, at least in Canada, is the Canadian dairy cattle industry. So genomic evaluations were first implemented in 2009 uh, for Canadian dairy cattle. And what this graph here is showing is some of the key traits in the breeding objective and the genetic gains that they were seeing before in red and after genomics in blue. So what we can see from this graph is for most traits, we're seeing a two to three times the rate of genetic improvement for all traits from production traits right to health and fertility traits. But what I find really interesting about this graph is this uh, fertility bar here. So before genomic selection, the fertility of Canadian dairy cows was actually going backwards, it was going in the wrong direction, which obviously is not good. (laughs) Um, But using genomic selection and those more accurate breeding values, we're actually able to start moving fertility traits in the right direction. And we could expect the same or similar things from uh, goats as well, if we have sufficient number of genotyped animals. Another advantage of genomic selection is it enables selection for novel traits. So there's been lots of research from groups all across the world looking at new traits um, and the regions of the genome associated with them. And the eventual goal here would be to implement those into the breeding programs in those countries. So some of the ones that have been looked at recently include supernumerary teats, or the presence or absence of them, um, semen volume, litter size, heat stress, uh, yonis, parasite, and CAEV resistance, as well as mohair color, yield, and quality. So you can see there's a large variety of different traits that are being studied in lots of different breeds, Um, and it'll be interesting to see how the genomic kind of revolution influences the breeding programs of these uh, different breeds in the future. Now. The benefits of genomic selection are all well and good, but I'm sure everyone's wondering how much does it cost because production at commercial level is, of course, a business and we need to make uh, good business decisions um, in order to be profitable. So I want to go through a little example and uh, try and make the argument that genomic selection might not be as expensive as you might expect. So, of course, the major expense of using genomic selection is the genotyping costs. Currently, it costs about $30 to $40 to genotype each animal. And the price of genotyping uh, has decreased rapidly in the last few years. Um, So when we genotype the animals that I'll talk about in a minute for my project, the cost was actually $100 per sample. So you can see it's gone down uh, over to be over half the price um, in just a couple of years, which is really great. And as uh, the implementation of genomic selection expands, we can expect those genotyping costs to continue to decrease. So we're gonna go through a little sample here. Um, So I've assumed we have a herd of 100 does here and we want to uh, genotype 100 dolings per year. So with our traditional selection, of course, we don't have any costs for genotyping, Um, And with our genomic selection strategy, I've assumed the high end of the range here at $40 per sample. You also need a little bit of time in order to take the samples. Um, So here we're estimating that you'd need three people for about two hours uh, in order to take those samples. That's fairly realistic based on uh, the experience from my project. It's not actually as time consuming as you might expect. So that cost for genotyping each year would be about $4,150. But of course, with that added cost, we hope that there's some benefits as well. And one of those is the ability to lower our replacement rearing costs. So with our traditional selection strategy, um, we might kind of have two stages of selection. Say we wanted to eventually keep 50% of our dolings to enter the herd, so a fairly high replacement rate. Um, We might, for example, after weaning, pick our top 75 and keep those around. Uh, And then around breeding time, we might pick the top 50 that we wanna keep in the herd after they've had a chance to grow. Um, So I've assumed here that you'd have first kidding at 15 months. And doling feed costs were estimated by a US study. They might not represent your cost of production numbers exactly, but you can see how it would be easy to adapt the numbers to fit your specific herd. So that cost there uh, would be about $21,500 to rear those replacements each year. With our genomic strategy though, we can actually select the 50 does dolings we want right at weaning because we have a more reliable prediction of their genetic merit. You could actually theoretically genotype them even earlier, but uh, for the sake of making sure we don't genotype animals that uh, die uh, pre-weaning, it's probably safest to wait until they're about three months of age. So with this strategy, um, we keep 25 less dolings for the next uh, several months until their first kidding the cost of that strategy would be $18,000. So what we're seeing here is a 19% savings in feed from the use of a genomic selection strategy. There's also other savings that aren't reflected here, including uh, labor, housing, and veterinary expenses, of course. Um, But overall, we can see that the genomic selection strategy could theoretically save quite a bit of rearing expenses. And of course, the reason we're most interested in genomic selection is accelerating that genetic gain. So I've pulled together some numbers here based on my own research. Um, In this scenario, we're going to look at um, a dairy scenario looking at milk yield. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have good numbers for the meat production, but you could do the similar calculations for meat as well. So, uh, what we're going to assume here is that uh, we're going to select 10% of bucklings and 50% of doelings for our herd. Our selection accuracy um, for a traditional selection scenario is 0.52 and we have a generation interval of four years. So, the maximum genetic gain we could see each year is about 35 litres per doe per year. With our genomic selection strategy, we're able to increase our accuracy of selection. So based on my research, we found that for breeding candidates, um, the increase in genomic selection accuracy is about 30%. So with that strategy, we would actually produce um, 44.4 liters in dough per year in genetic improvement. So that's a 28% gain in the rate of genetic improvement. Um, But in this scenario, we've assumed that the generation interval for the genomic selection strategy is the same, which actually we may be able to reduce the generation interval because of being able to select animals at an earlier age. So let's say we were able to reduce the generation interval to 3.5 years of age. We'd see even faster genetic progress at Uh, maximum of 51 liters per dough per year, or 47% gain over that traditional selection scenario. And as we talked about a lot on Tuesday, remember that genetic gain is cumulative. So those small differences in yearly genetic gain can add up to big changes over time. So this graph, I've plotted the cumulative genetic gain for 10 years of selection for both traditional selection scenario, the solid line and the dotted line being the genomic selection scenario. So when we look over a single year, you can't really tell much of a difference between the rates of genetic gain. But as you go selecting for more and more years, the gap between the two scenarios gets wider and wider. And um, as that continues to get wider over time, we're seeing that additional genetic gain translate into additional product produced or revenue made by the producer. So although genotyping is an expense, when you account for those reduced rearing costs, as well as the um, increase in revenue due to faster genetic gain, we can see that it might not be as expensive as you'd think. There's some other things to consider when we're looking at implementing genomic selection. Uh, First, genomic predictions are breed specific, which means that we need funds and industry coordination in order to build reference populations for each breed that we're interested in um, selecting. So up till now, our focus has been on the alpine and sauna and dairy goats, but hopefully we'll expand that to other breeds in the future. Second, genomic selection is limited by the availability of phenotypic information. So participation in Industry genetic improvement programs uh, like Brian will be talking about next Tuesday continues to be important even with genomic selection as we need to be able to add animals to our reference population in order to maintain the accuracy of those genomic evaluations. Third, uh, genomic selection would be a method to enable new herds to participate in genetic evaluations. So large commercial herds that haven't traditionally been able to keep up with pedigree recording and registration would actually be able to participate in genetic evaluations more easily because we can estimate the pedigree of the animal using the genotype instead of those traditional paper-based records. Fourth, uh, genotypes can be used to fix pedigree errors, which is important for our breed associations to maintain the integrity of the pedigrees. And lastly, um, the scenario I presented on the last few slides has been was kind of a genotyping the whole uh, selection candidate population approach. But it's not all or nothing with genomic selection, so it would be possible to use selective genotyping, such as only genotyping the bucks in order to reduce costs at a farm level while still seeing some of the benefits of genomic selection. And I'm going to finish the last few minutes of the presentation today talking a little bit about the results of our dairy goat genomics project at the University of Guelph. So in this project we genotyped 1,267 goats of the Alpine and saunen breeds from 13 different herds across Canada. We also had 720 genotypes available to use from a previous project. In order to be eligible to uh, participate in the project, herds had to participate in milk recording and we only genotype registered bucks and does. The graphs on the right of the slide have the number of genotypes by birth year of the animal, sex and breed. So what we can see is that the genotyped animals were born from as far back as 1998 all the way up to 2018. And the majority of the genotypes collected were actually on does. And that's obviously because there's only a limited number of bucks on each herd in order to genotype. The samples were collected in a variety of different ways, including nasal swabs, blood, uh, ear hole punches, and semen. So based on producer preference, they were able to submit samples in whatever way they preferred. And now getting into some of the results here. uh, This graph is showing the relatedness of the animals that we genotyped and it's showing them clustered by both breed and color. So the different colors here represent the different herds that provided uh, samples to genotype. And then the shape of the dot represents the breed of the animals. So it might be a little bit hard to see on your screen here but the alpine animals are this kind of cluster on the left here with the squares and the saunan and animals are more spread out and these triangles here um, all across the center and right side of the graph. What we can see here is that the two populations are not completely independent. If they're independent populations, we'd see like a separation between them. And that of course is due to um, crossbreeding and the grading up of animals uh, when they were imported to Canada, as well as the shared history of the two breeds originally in. Uh, Switzerland. This slide is just summarizing the data we had available for the analysis. So we had um, about eight to 900 different genotypes for the two breeds and uh, phenotypic records included milk records and classification records. We had more records for Alpine than saunen, about double as many classification records and about 5,000 more milk records. Um, to use for the the analysis and here we have the different traits that we looked at which were milk protein and fat yields and protein and fat percentages in both first and later lactations and in this chart i've got estimates of heritability for the different traits which ranged from 0.17 for milk yield in later lactations per stanin and uh, ranging all the way up to 0.66 for protein percentage for alpine. And same uh, graph here for the confirmation traits. I won't go into the details of these traits here because uh, Kalem from the Canadian Goat Society will be going into more detail about that next week. But again, heritability estimates uh, were actually a little bit lower than for the milk production traits, ranging from 0.11 for body capacity in Saanen, up to 0.31 for general appearance in alpine. Um, and now, the main results of this project were aiming to see the gains in accuracy we could uh, expect from the implementation of genomic selection. So, this graph is showing the gains to accuracy for each trait by breed for our breeding candidate animals. The striped bars at the bottom are the accuracy we would expect from our traditional pedigree based evaluations. And that solid blue portion on top is the gain from genomic evaluations. So, depending on the trait, the, the gains varied a little bit, but uh, the trait specific gains ranged from 8 to 31% for alpine and 4 to 35% for saunan. So, that's a pretty, pretty valuable gain to the accuracy of selection that would be expected to increase the rate of genetic improvement. And this uh, graph is showing the same thing for the confirmation traits, again, by breed and uh, trait. So the pedigree-based evaluations are the stripes at the bottom, and the genomic evaluations are the solid bars at the top. The overall accuracy of the confirmation traits was lower, which makes sense because they're less heritable traits. Um, but we saw bigger gains from the implementation of genomic evaluations. So the trait-specific gains ranged from 30 to 48% for alpine and 41 to 61% for saunin. And right, I'm going to wrap up today's presentation with uh, this graph here, which I like because it kind of shows the overall trends of the results. So what we're seeing here is um, averaged across all the traits in either milk production in blue or the conformation traits in orange the percent gains in accuracy we can expect from the implementation of genomic evaluations. So um, it's split up based on whether the animals are non-genotyped in stripe or genotyped in the solid bars here. And what we can see is that there's very little gain in the accuracy of selection for the non-genotyped animals. And what that means is that in order to see the benefits of genomic selection, it's necessary for herds to participate in genotyping, or at least purchase in breeding stock that is genotyped in order to see some of those gains in accuracy. For the genotyped animals, um, for the milk production traits across the whole population, we saw gains of 10 to 11%. And for the confirmation traits, the gains were higher at about 32 to 36%. The gains though are not evenly distributed across all the animals in the population. So we have different categories here, including does with and without records and bucks with and without daughter records. And what we can see is that the largest bars or the largest gains in accuracy are observed for the does without records and the bucks without daughter records. And why that's important is that those without records and bucks without daughter records are our breeding candidates. So that's showing that the gains we can expect for our breeding candidates are fairly substantial. And because of that increased selection accuracy, we would be able to uh, accelerate the rate of genetic improvement for these traits. So I know that was a lot of information here, um, but to summarize with a few take home messages, Genomic selection uses small differences in the DNA of individual animals in order to more accurately predict the genetic merit of young breeding candidates. It has been proven to rapidly accelerate genetic improvement and enable selection on expensive and difficult to measure traits in many species around the world. And substantial gains to selection accuracy are expected from its implementation in Canadian alpine and sauna goats especially for does without records and bucks without daughter records, which are breeding candidates. Um, I'd just like to take a second to thank the rest of the project team on this project, as well as our collaborators at the Canadian Goat Society and the Canadian Centre for Swine Improvement. And finally, a very big thank you to all the producer herds that participated in collecting samples for this project project. It was a large team effort, and we definitely could not have completed this research without your uh, time and contribution. And finally, um, this research was funded by the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs through the Ontario Agri-Food Innovation Alliance. Thank you for listening. I'm happy to take any questions. Thanks, Erin.